Okay, I see that live button, and I almost squeal with the light, Chris, whenever I see this. Welcome to this is gosh, this is episode number 85 of the Most People Don't But You Do podcast. We are so excited. My name is Bart Berkey. I'm the founder of a company called Most People Don't, and we encourage people to take action, to do, to move with their hearts, to feel a certain way, and then to encourage other people to feel a certain way in response. I am beyond excited to have Chris Flatch. Chris is the EVP, Executive Vice President of Hotel Sales and Marketing for the Win Las Vegas and Encore. Chris, welcome to the podcast. We are so glad you're here. Thank you, Bart. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, and what I think is really special with Chris, in that a couple of weeks ago, I came to her property, presented to her, her sales and their convention services team. What a great group of people. And when I was there, there were so many people gushing about Chris with what a great leader she is and how strategic she is and how amazing she is. And we had a call just a few minutes before this. And I said, I'm going to gush. I'm going to gush all toward you, Chris. I'm going to say nice things. And she said, okay, my face is probably going to turn red. Yes. And automatically, I think we have the title. It's okay, right? Blushing red, but you deserve it. Chris is a very humble person. So Chris, we're going to just start asking you some questions right away. How's that sound? Sounds great. Thank you. Tell us about growing up. Where did you grow up and what were some of the early influencers in your life? I grew up in Southern California initially. I was born in Long Beach, California, and then my family moved to Las Vegas when I was about 14. So I've grown up in Las Vegas and it's so it's home for me. I would say that I'm one of those unlucky people that Back when I was little, I really didn't know what I wanted to be. Kind of a funny side story on that is I thought that I might want to be a drummer, which is crazy. But at the end of the day, I really didn't know. And so I actually became a medical assistant right out of high school and was drawn toward being in that field and almost went to nursing school. At the time, I was trying to decide whether or not I wanted to do that. I actually just took a job working at the Flamingo Hilton in the sales department as a coordinator. And I thought I would just do that for a little while until I decided for sure if that was what I wanted to do and go to nursing school. And I really enjoyed that job. And I stayed there and learned it and basically started my career with the Golden Nugget, which then became Mirage Resorts, which then became Wynn Resorts. With Starting in 1986, I started at the Golden Nugget. So my career has been with this company in some shape or form for a number of years, too many to count at this point. And it's it's something that I just got lucky and fell into and grew into it. And I love it. I just really love what I do. And I love this company and I'm really lucky to be here. Yeah. And I think it's so unusual. First of all, I don't meet many people that essentially grew up in Las Vegas. I think that's rare. That's unique. It is. And then- it used to be. It's not as much so anymore. Okay. There more and more people are from here now. Okay. And so then thinking about being a medical assistant, what were you involved with? What were your hobbies growing up? Like, like even being a medical assistant, even having that thought, it must be giving care and helping others. Did you feel that when you were growing up at a younger age? I, not really. I really feel like I was a naive kid. I didn't really have any idea. I think I've always been that person that wants to take care of people. I feel my mom always tells me that from the time my brother was born, we're 13 months apart. And 
I was just taking care of him from the minute my mom brought him home. So I feel like I've always been one of those people that likes to take care of people. Yeah. And I feel deeply for people. I think just being in a in an industry where I have the opportunity to meet new people and build relationships. And it really, as you well know, this it really is about relationships, this industry of hospitality. So yeah. I think I just found my way to it. It wasn't something that I knew that I wanted to do when I was young. Yeah, unfortunate because a lot of people yeah. try different things. Gosh, the the podcast that I released today, I don't know if you Fred Huffer with her global, but Fred was telling me that he got a law degree. And then he realized he didn't like law. So that is experience in events. So it's a lot of work. Right. You're definitely fortunate to be able to get into an industry that you're passionate about. Chris brought up something about you you have an affinity, you feel certain ways toward people. And you're yes. a given person. I had this conversation the other day with another customer. My sense is that we need more people that feel. What are your thoughts with regard to what you have seen with other leaders? So starting at the Flamingo Hilton, you've worked for a lot of different people. Is your sense that leaders benefit by feeling? And do you have any examples to share with us? I do think that feeling about people is really critical because if that's not something that you have inherently, you're not going to enjoy being around people every day, all day. So I think one of one of the people that, that I met along the way that was a mentor to me was a gentleman by the name of Charlie Monahan, and he actually opened Caesar's Palace back in the 60s. And when we were ready to open the Mirage and starting to plan that project, we brought him into the company. And he was an older man at the time. He had retired more or less from Caesars. He was in the latter part of his career, but he was just somebody that always stood out. And he was a very kind-hearted man. He was just like a, like a grandfather. Really? He would he had his guitar with him in his office, and he would play his guitar and sing. And he just really loved people. He loved to be in front of people and entertain people. And he was very kind. And I really he gave me a chance. I was young and hadn't really had a lot of experience when he brought me into that side of our business and helped me get onto the opening team of the Mirage. So I was very grateful for him. And I just, he was one of those people that anytime anyone ever talked about him, because he was an icon at the time, they always talked about how kind he was. He was just such a nice, kind person. And I really admired that. Yeah. May I ask, is Charlie still living? He's not. No. Right. He passed away probably 15 years ago. Okay. okay. Like yeah. But a great mentor. And I'm getting sorry for, for the yes. loss. Rest in peace, yes. Charlie. And do you think that people, do you think there's a perception that when people are kind, in business that they're going to be taken advantage of? I do. And I think just because I started when I was very young and I, being female also, I think a lot of times women deal with the fact that sometimes when you're kind, you're also perceived as being weak. And finding that balance of not being perceived as being weak or not feeling weak, it's great to be kind, better to be kind. And you can get your point across and I, something that I've always said to my team is it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Yeah. And that I think plays into that because you can deliver messages or news that might not be positive, but you can do it in a positive way or you can do it in a kind way. Yeah. Chris, you're great as good. I mean, you no harm, but I need to share a couple things with you. Can I talk to you about it now? 
Yes. Interesting. So like, that, that, like that example, and this was a Jim Meehan, he's a British psychologist. He has used that line to disarm people. And I agree with you completely. It's how we approach feedback, how we approach conversations. And you don't need to make people cry. No. Chris, and I'm just curious, as you progressed in your career, and when you started, as you said, at a very young age, you were insulated, encapsulated, thrust into this wonderful world of hospitality. Did it take a while for you to feel out your leadership style? The reason why I'm asking, and I always do this, I ask a question and I throw in more context. Bear with me. That's what makes the podcast so good. Yeah. I agree. My daughter is an example, 21 years old, and she is now in a new leadership role. And she'll call us every single night. And I think I shared a little bit with you when I was in person in Vegas, but she is beginning to find her voice, wants to be kind, but she doesn't want to be too kind because many of the people that she's leading are older and more experienced than her. Can you tell our listeners about the progression of when you found your voice and maybe how you found your voice and maybe you found it right away? I didn't find it right away. I think it's something that I grew into and I was looking throughout the early part of my career, I was looking for people that that I could admire or people that I could follow or have as a role model. And for me, it was really about building confidence and trying to emulate certain things. But I would look for the things that I didn't like as well as the things that I did. So I always would think to myself, I don't like that style because, and that's not something I would ever want to do or make people feel. I wouldn't ever want to make someone feel like that whether it's an experience that I went through with a boss at the time or just people that I would meet in general. So for me, it was really learned over time and I, something I do a lot of mentoring. I love doing that. And it's something that I just, it's a joy for me. Something that I always tell people is try to find somebody that you can use as a role model or a mentor. If you're lucky enough to get someone that you really find as a role model and you can have them mentor you, really can help you develop earlier and give you confidence in who you are, also let you work through your thoughts about what kind of a leader you are or what kind of person you are yeah. or what it is that what it is that you can either bring out of people or bring out of yourself. So really was learned along the way. And I always tell people, listen to your gut because typically your intuition is right and don't go against it because we do. As humans, we just tend to do that. Yeah. So listen to your gut, be confident. And especially a lot of women, I mentor a lot of women. And when I was coming up in this business, it was mostly men. I just had to find a way to fit in. And I, you sit there in the early days and think, I'm not going to say anything because I shouldn't be here or I'm not good enough. You question yourself, but you yeah. have to put yourself out there. You've got to have confidence. You've got to ask questions. You've got to make sure that people know that you're there for a reason and that you've earned that. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. And the aspect of even being uncomfortable when you think about when people exercise, if you're training for a marathon, you're lifting weights, it's going to be uncomfortable. Your body doesn't want to necessarily lift weights, but after you go through that burn, that tear, not being able to breathe in your lungs, it's going to get you stronger for the next day. So I love hearing that. The yep. other lesson, Chris, that I'm learning from you is that you don't need to go it alone. Like find someone that you like, respect, and admire, emulate, and ask them either formally or informally, what can you teach me? I'm trying to learn different marketing tactics now having my own business. And one thing that someone said on a training video was ask for someone's opinion. And I just got a note the other day, this person is coming up with a course on how to get your TEDx talk promoted. I have a TEDx talk. Great. 
but the subject line was, I need your opinion on this TEDx speaking course or something along those lines. And what did I do? I opened it, right? I opened it because someone was asking for my opinion. That's probably a good way with the mentors that you had, were people open to assisting and did you have to go through a formal process of Will you please be my mentor? How did that go? Most of my mentors, it wasn't a formal process. It was just an organic, natural relationship. And I, that's something I value more than anything is the relationships that I've built along the way and continue to build. And you've got to build trust and you've got to be able to put yourself in a position where you might be a little vulnerable when you, when you are talking to people about how you feel about things or what can you, what can I learn or how can I learn it or what can I do to be better? I think for me, it was mostly just organic and being enough to ask. If, yeah. or, and I love the, I love the idea of what you said about asking people for their opinions, because that's so important. You, you, first of all, you want to, you want to engage people and you want them to know that you care about them and their opinion. So mm -hmm. you learn when you ask people for their opinion. So I, I think that's great. I love that. And Chris, you just mentioned about being vulnerable. To me, being vulnerable means that you need to be comfortable. You need to be comfortable in your own skin. You need to be yes. confident. You need to be to able to say whatever you want to say. And a friend of mine had used this expression the other day when she first started in hospitality, her first boss squished her, put her thumbs down and actually said all of this, meaning her energy and her positivity, shout out Kelly Bishop, all of this energy, zip it up and put it away. Did you ever run into a situation along your hospitality career in which you were in an environment, you don't need to name specifics, were you in an environment where maybe you didn't feel that you could be yourself? I'm curious to hear. I did actually. And it, and it was not just me, it was our team at the time early on in my career. And the person that we all reported to was not, not a very encouraging, positive, supportive type of person. And the majority of us had bigger personalities and were very friendly and very happy and having a good time as you're working throughout your day. And that was not something that she supported at all. And it was really that my way or the highway scenario. Most people don't thrive in that kind of environment. I think people need to be who they are. You've got to find people that fit together and that have similar, similar passion, values, I guess, right? yeah, or, yeah. yeah, looking at things in a similar way and they care. I've always said I, when I'm hiring people, I look, I don't start the interview with interview questions. I try to have a conversation for 10 or 15 minutes just to talk about stuff. It's, I just want to get to know you and engage you and get to know what kind of person you are. Yeah. So to me, that's a great way to, to try to start to get to know someone. Plus it also makes them relax a little bit if yeah. they're nervous. And what um, happened in that one scenario where you and other team members were reporting to a person that didn't allow you to feel comfortable? What happened? It, did y'all leave it, or did that person leave? We did lose a few people. And then I was starting to get to the point where I thought, well, maybe I'm in the wrong, maybe I'm in the wrong path here. Maybe this shouldn't be my career. I really thought about leaving and I had a good relationship with the executives above me at the time and went directly to one of them and said, here's what's happening. And we're going to lose more people. And I'm not threatening to leave. I'm just saying I'm at a point where I am thinking about making a different career choice. So it wasn't to threaten at all. It was just to simply advise and give them a heads up. So actually at the time that person listened to me and took it to heart and addressed it and things got better. So right. I think, again, that goes back to just 
having a little confidence and having and caring about the people that I work with too every day. So I just want to make sure everybody's okay. <laughs> yeah. You said you weren't threatening. You were simply communicating and yes. looking out for everyone, including yourself. So yes. for our listeners, again, we have executive directors, we have CEOs, but we also have people that are just starting off in whatever career. Mm -hmm. What advice would you have for them for them being an environment in which they are not being made comfortable? They're not being allowed to be themselves. They're being squished. What advice would you have? I think you have to sort of look at it in a progressive way. So I think you have to go through that phase of, okay, maybe I can adjust and try to figure out how to work with this because we all deal with change and sometimes it's okay to change and it's a positive. But if it starts to feel like, gosh, this just isn't, this doesn't feel right to me. I don't feel good going to work every day. I'm anxious when I'm in my car driving to work each day. And you start to see it affecting other people around you in the same way. I think you just have to progressively figure out how to continue to try to deal with it and maybe chip away at it. And if you can't get to a point where you feel like you've made the progress that you need to be able to move forward, yeah. then you've got to do something more about it. Whether it's talk to somebody that can influence the situation or it's say to yourself, listen, this just isn't for me and I, I need to make a change. I, I need to move on or whatever the case may be. Yeah. yeah. Also to have the confidence is what I'm hearing yes. kind of all the way through with the common thread is to have enough yeah. confidence to be able to be true to yourself and get into the right environment. Yes. Uh, I know you have tremendous loyalty and longevity on your team, and I certainly can understand why. what do you think some of the most critical aspects of being a great leader are? And we're not necessarily talking about you because I don't want you to turn around. What have you seen? Like three or four things that are just like, oh. This is what we need to do to be great leaders. What comes to mind? I think the first word that comes into my head is build trust and need to know that I have their back at all times. You've got, I always say, you've got to put your company hat on sometimes. And so I think being able to think about things that way, you've got to, you've got to build relationships internally. You have to build relationships with your team and they have to feel comfortable coming to you. If there's something going on, I want them to feel comfortable. I have open door policy. They can walk in anytime and we can chat about anything. So for me, I think it's that. And if there's anything that I can do to help them with their job, whether it's providing tools or direction or some sort of vision, I want to be able to do that for them. So I think it's just a matter of being able to create something that they can look forward to, something that they can be confident and comfortable in that they know this is where, what my path is. This is what I need to do to get there. And then have the relationships be really strong and really solid so that I always feel like I know how they're feeling or they know they can come to me if they're not feeling like they have what they need to do their job. Yeah. Something that I noticed about you. Thank you, Chris. Thank, something that I noticed about you when I was there, I guess it was the last night that I was there after I had presented, I just happened in right in a 4,700 plus room environment, hotel room environment. I happened to run into you on Brian Goldbrands. Yeah. President of, gosh, he's president of a lot of things right now. Was president when Las Vegas and Encore. And what is his new title? President of, he's actually our COO of North America now. Okay. But I ran into both of you in the casino as you were both leaving. And it was Friday night, probably 7 p.m. Yeah. And what I loved is that you were the same person talking to Brian. You were the same person outside the meeting talking to me. You're the same person now talking to me. So I believe 
a great leadership trait, even though you didn't ask me, I need to compliment you is that you Thank are you. yourself, right? You are yourself. It doesn't matter if you're in a meeting with customers, my sense with Brian Goldbrands, with, it doesn't matter with your team. It's just, I think that is just an incredible thing that you are genuinely kind hearted and authentic which doesn't happen all the time. So thank you for that. And I know you're- Thank you. That too. That's very kind of you. I appreciate yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. The next question, Chris, is with such a large team, great hotel, and I will gush and we'll get to some of my <laughs> personal experiences at the in Las Vegas and Encore in a moment here. But with such a large team, how are you able to find the balance of there's a lot of things going on. If you're talking about, you know, that you're available for your team. So yes, you have, right, Steve Planner, terrific gentleman, have Ted, a terrific gentleman. You have other layers of individuals. Yes. But how are you able to find the balance that if someone, and this is not necessarily in a level or superiority perspective, but anyone amongst that team, if they need help, how are you able to find the balance in time to be able to help? people that are like, Chris, I really need to talk to you. I think it's, again, that's probably more than just one thing, right? It's, yeah. I really want my people to be empowered. I want the team to feel like they're empowered to make decisions. And I also want them to feel really confident and comfortable in calling whoever they need to call to get something done. And I think that's something that from a company perspective, we embrace. And that is even to, even Brian, I think he said it in the room with you, call me. If there's something that you can't get done, call me. I don't care who you are. So for me, that's the way I want people to think about it. If they, anytime they need to call me or text me, yeah. they can. So I want them to trust that. And I want them to know that they can do that. And I want them to feel empowered to make decisions. And I'd rather have someone make a decision than not make a decision, whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. And if it's wrong, then we learn from it. So there's no fear there. It's let's work together. We'll figure it out. We're all very approachable. We're all very reachable at all times. I have just an amazing group of people that I work with every day and I trust every one of them. Yeah. And I shared a story not that long ago about backs are for padding, padding, padding on the back, not for stabbing. Yes. Not to exactly, <laughs> <I like that. laughs> exactly what I'm hearing from you, from your team, your media team to Brian, to the rest of your executive leadership team, who I met many of them. Yeah. That, that's the feeling that I got that we're here to help one another, not to give someone else blame or not to take credit. We're really doing this together, which yes. I think creates a very unique culture. Yes. I'd like to switch a little bit to the culture of win right in Las Vegas and Encore and win as an organization. When I was there, first of all, and hopefully you don't mind me sharing this because I think it's lovely. And if I need to edit it out later, I can, but you made me feel so special. You and Steve and Ted, you picked me up in a Rolls Royce. <laughs> I spent 16 years with Ritz Carlton. I thought I had seen it all and experienced it all from a luxury lens. And here I am coming and you're paying for me to come and present and you're picking me up in a Rolls Royce and you made me feel so special the entire time. It was unbelievable. I was walking and I shared this with you, but I think it's important for our listeners to hear this with the time zone difference. I was up at four 30 walking around, trying to find some coffee. And here is how many rooms does the win Las Vegas Encore have? 4,700. Okay. 47. I got that right. 4,700. And oh. we're not going to share the occupancy or the ADR, but you are a busy, popular, high in demand property. I'm walking at 430 in the morning and I see two associates, two employees, two ladies that are polishing the chairs 
from the casino floor. So they have 20 chairs lined up. They have 10 of them on top of each other and they are polishing the heck out of them. 4.30 in the morning, they've been working all night, but they were happy, they were smiling, they were greeting people as they walked by. Yes, they were conversing, but they were working so hard. Same thing happened when I found coffee. People had been working all night and it was such a nice welcome, 4.30 in the morning. How are you? What can I get you? Would you like to try one of these homemade Pop-Tarts? And just like above, excited to be there. And then one of the shift workers, one of the leaders came in and this person, this woman was greeted with hugs and handshakes and high fives from every single employee that saw her come in. Like, can you do this at a hotel with 4,700 rooms and how many employees? Over 12,000. Yeah. How can you do it? Our listeners want to know. It was <laughs> amazing. Inquiring minds want to know. Yeah. Well, culture is really the most important thing we have here and people are our biggest asset. So our employees are the most important thing. And if they're not happy, then we don't have happy guests. So we want them to be happy coming to work and going into their areas for their shifts. And we want them to feel good in their uniforms. If they're wearing uniforms, we want them to enjoy their time together because we all spend a lot of time together, do pre-shifts every day in every department so that before everybody starts their shift, we, their managers have a conversation with them about a variety of different things. We have, Brian does a great message every day, as you probably know, yep. <laughs> and yep. something that people really look forward to. So you want people make people happy. So that's what we want. We want happy people and we want them to make all of our guests happy. I love hearing that you see that and you sense that and you experienced it when you're here because that is critical to the experience here. Yeah. One, and one last story I'll share with you. And then I have just one more question for you, Chris. And I didn't mean to be gushing so much about you and gushing so much about my experience, but it is gush worthy. And maybe that's going to be the name of this podcast. I don't know. This episode. <laughs> Gush Worthy with Chris I like Flatt. That. I had lunch one time, and this is when we took a break, right? The team went and did their own pizza making experience. Yeah, it was yes. so much fun for them. When I had lunch at a separate place. I watched the people come in and they were greeted almost like family guests, like myself, almost like family recommendations, kindness. And then I watched as a few people were greeted. And it was, did you go and enjoy the show last night that we talked about? Or when are you going to come back and bring your kids? And have you had any chance to do any skiing this winter? Like the conversations would be like what I would expect at a boutique hotel with 15 rooms. Yeah. I just wanted to share that again with you, you and with our listeners that let's not use hotel size as an excuse. It really deals with culture, right? Yes. That you've created there's a couple of amazing comments, Chris. I need to read a few for you real quick. Myth Flat, she mentored to me when working at the Wynn Las Vegas as Director of Regional Accounts. First class lady and a true ambassador of the brand. Oh, Am nice. Amazing female model, role model in historically male-dominated industry and city. And boy, and then the comments are just going on and on about how wonderful you are. Hello. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. That means a lot. It, and that's why I knew that you were the right person to get on this podcast right there are people that do there's people that say they do and don't but you certainly are a person that does you're making people feel comfortable you're leading by example you're mentoring and you are kind Thank last, you, question, last question for you and this is a, a maybe a curveball so the name of the podcast most people don't but you do 
if you just had to fill in the blanks and let's talk specifically about your salespeople, what do you think your salespeople do that most salespeople don't that has made them so incredibly successful and well-respected in the industry? What is one thing you think your sales team does that most salespeople don't? I think they really care about their partnerships, relationships, their customers, their business. They all look, we always talk about, look at it as your own business. Everything you do is your own business. Let's just say it's your own money you're spending. It's your own company you're building. So to me, it's, they have to own it. They have to care about it. And I always use the word passion. You have to have passion for what you do. Yeah, it's a little long-winded, but... No, no, that, and that's so amazing, Chris. It's so amazing because I have more stories that we don't have time for right now, specifically about my experience with your salespeople and them having passion. It is just outrageous. Thank you. So Chris, again, Executive Vice President, Hotel Sales and Marketing, Win Las Vegas in Encore. So yes. grateful to have you on. Any last words that you would like to share with our listeners about being successful, about doing what you want to do? I would just say... Put yourself out there and go after it. If it's something you want, ask for it. And I always say the worst thing that can happen is somebody's going to tell you no, but that's okay. So just try. Don't don't be afraid to try. So I and I'm very blessed and lucky and happy to do what I do every day. And I am really grateful for you inviting me on your show. Thank you. Yeah, no, I love the last words. Put yourself out there and try. Worst that someone can say is no, and then you move on to a different door now. So out. <laughs> Outstanding, outstanding. Again, Chris Flat, F-L-A-E is your last name. If you'd like to connect with her on LinkedIn, you can find her and some incredible culture and service-oriented hospitality folks at the Win Las Vegas in Encore. Chris, cannot thank you enough, and we will chat with you soon. Thank you, Barb. Take care.